Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody, the podcast from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm sitting here with Howard Tybal. Hello, Howard. Hello, Pete. Uh, welcome to another week, sir. How are you? Uh, we're doing great this week. Uh, busy as usual, like the rest of the planet. Sure enough, sure enough. It's time to be busy, and and this week I think we are we're we're going to uh, we're going to be taking on a bit of a heavy subject. I'm I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, this uh, stems from a conversation that uh, you and I have had uh, over the over the last uh, uh, you know year or so, which is uh, you know how to help sta- uh, managers and project managers deal with with one rather sneaky and insidious issue, and that is this: if you are leading a team you are probably not aware of what is not going well on your team. What does that mean? Well, you know, it's so interesting because I'd say if you, if you, if you polled three quarters of the project managers, they got their hands so full that there is a, like, I can't deal with one more piece of bad news. So there's an element where I think on the management side, we don't necessarily encourage people to share bad news. That somehow, I think what's happened in the workforce is we've got it into our heads that if we encourage people to share what's really going on, that it won't translate into action, that it will translate into complaints. And... You know, you know, instead, what we have is chronic complaining, you know, in, in many groups, cross organizations. So whatever peer group you're in, if you're senior management, you're chronically complaining about the people above you and below you. If you're middle management, you're chronically complaining about people below, above you and below you. And, you know, it's not 100%, but when that does happen, it, it, that in itself is insidious, and that happens because people are not taking a direct view of this issue of bad news. Uh, you know, what does it mean to, if you're leading people to say to them, uh, I'm going to not only tell you it's okay, I want you, I need you to tell me when something's not working. And the reason this falls apart very quickly is because the larger the group, the more difficult it is for people to not fall into taking things personally. And that that rather than staying focused on the subject matter, do you hear that in the yeah, background? Yeah, I was going to say, are they coming to get you? They are right now. <laughs> well, I think not, it's the I think it's the subject matter. Pete. I think it may it may be. I, I let's I, keep going. I, I do. I have a question uh, about what you're talking about. So we'll take this time for me to gracefully interrupt you. What we're talking about here, the kinds of issues that that people usually fear, sort of uh, elevating to the surface and actually talking about, they they really they tend to be the issues that are not directly related to business performance, right? I mean, that seems to be something I've heard in the past, which is, oh, you know, my manager, my project manager, my team leader, they're not interested in hearing hearing anything that doesn't directly relate to the bottom line. You know, they're, they're so focused on the bottom line, I just can't distract them with this stuff. This is, this is interpersonal stuff. This is team stuff. We'll work that out on our own. There, there's some element of truth about this, because 
I think we underestimate what it really means to have individuals in organizations change the way they work. You know, team building, I do a, I do a ton of team building, and I think there's rightfully so high expectations for what team building can do. But when you get under the surface and you start looking at some of the reasons why people don't cooperate or why people hold back information, it gets to some, in some cases, very personal uh, ways that people approach sort of just how they are in the world. And I think in the business world, and I, had, I recently had a conversation with somebody, and I said to them, I was coaching them, and uh, you know, I said, listen, you don't have to be friends with this person. You don't have to even like this person. Uh, but you have to learn how to work with them in a professional way. And it is great when you can work with a team where people like each other and they get along, there's camaraderie. But the truth is it, that's that's not always the case. And I think we have to make we have to not get caught up in thinking that team building means that this this nirvana view of what it means to be a high performing team doesn't mean that we're all always smiling. As a matter of fact, a high performing team probably you know, isn't. <laughs> and you know what they have? They have incredibly strong conflict, but the conflict doesn't get personal. And so we're digressing a bit, but what we're speaking about here is when you get into bad news, what happens is people are afraid that if you share bad news, it will get pinned on them. Right. So I'm not going to share bad news. And where that can be shifted, and I can't tell you the number of managers and leaders don't necessarily take this to heart, is to really recognize that they have to give their staff explicit permission to share mistakes and be willing to show that they make mistakes and they can acknowledge it. Uh, and third is that, that they make that part of problem solving, that mistakes, you know, we don't want to make mistakes that cost us, but we often learn best from the mistakes we make. And rather than avoiding finding out someone made a mistake, what I'm suggesting is that a leader needs to be willing to recognize that your people are not going to share stuff with you that might make them look bad unless they understand it's not going to get pinned on them. That really the way you want to work as an organization is say, this is not about blame. When mistakes happen, let's use that as a learning opportunity. And it's tough. It requires a very... Uh, a committed willingness to be um, uh, to really pay attention to not falling into those traps of who are my high performers, who are my low performers, and getting into sort of all the all the focus on individual rewards and individual punishment. Okay, so what we're what we're saying is we're asking staff to to, uh, you know, recognize a little bit of this enlightened uh, approach and to, to look at, at really focus on more the, the bottom line is that the, the team has to deliver business results, and that's what they exist to do, and that, that by, uh, you know, considering that Sun is the greatest antiseptic, 
uh, you know, bringing to light a lot of these issues can help eliminate them really without fear of blame or, or uh, you know, crisis or, or retribution, really, right? Yeah, and you need to have a particular kind of manager who's willing to do this. Well, that that, was that, that in itself. Yeah, I mean that was my next question, which is this idea of you know, sure we we can we can tell the team all day long you you really should be more enlightened. You really should you, you really should work better together. You don't team building does not mean a ropes course. We we can shake some of those assumptions, but the bottom line is, if the manager does not cultivate an environment of uh, openness and willingness to hear these kinds of things that may not be. Uh, you know, good news all the time, or may not be the critical, most important problems that, you know, affect the bottom line of the business, but may be more these insidious kinds of challenges. Uh, what we're saying here is that these managers may end up in the dark anyway. Uh, so what is the canary in the coal mine for these managers to to be able to 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 help cultivate this and, and see that there's a problem before, uh, before it may uh, get out of control? Well, it starts with a, a, a personal assessment about how you're approaching your work and how you're approaching your team. And are you truly cultivating a sense among your team that uh, this is about us succeeding as a team and we're in this together and this is about the work and not about the individuals? It's too easy to fall into for all of us into blame. It, you know, I think that that concept is, is cultivated from childhood, where you know you're either you're either the hero or you're the villain, and you know that's why team building is so difficult because it's so ingrained in us to think about things on an individual basis. Reward systems are an individual basis. I mean, how many times do you see? You know, a team being reward, rewarded financially for some success that they had, it's more often the individuals get rewarded. So our whole culture around uh, helping teams develop, we don't, we don't set them up to win. So, so there's a number of confluences, but it starts with, in my view, the manager saying or the leader saying, What's important here is that we be transparent and that you tell the truth. And it's not about who did something wrong. On the other side, the staff have to be willing, in some cases, to stop being victims to a manager they don't like. You know, nobody said that, you know, you're going to get someone, uh, you know, a manager that you like. Or, and, and also nobody said that you're going to get staff that you like. I mean, that's, that's one of those fairy tales. Some of your high-performing, highest-performing people in your work may be people you don't like. And it's more about, you know, when you come to work, the focus here is on what are we trying to achieve as a group. Yes, there are ways to cultivate building trust among individuals. But I think don't confuse that with what it really means to work effectively as a team. And I think we have to break those myths down about conflict. You know, somehow we think that to have a high-performing teams, we don't have conflict. The highest-performing teams have great conflict, and and likely also have you know even if they don't like each other, they likely respect each other. Yeah, that's a great point. 
that's the measure here is that and that, and I can't tell you the number of times I've also heard people say I don't respect so and so I don't respect my boss now that's a dilemma that you're in because if you don't respect your boss and you've got no avenue to be able to get in there and and share some of the things you'd like to see that would help you you're you're caught in a tough place and for some people it's even grounds to say I can't work for this person you know and I need to look at a change uh, it's it, there's more freedom for the person in charge to be able to say this is where I'm going to take the group for the staff member you have to recognize if you're leading that they often sit on their hands because they have historically been uh, reprimanded for making mistakes. This is uh, this is such a big uh, a big and challenging issue, but mostly because it gets to something we we started tackling uh, last week, which is this this idea of challenging human nature in the face of business results and productivity, uh, and how we are able to change how we look at ourselves and our own behavior in the face of crisis, in the face of, of you know, uh, interpersonal challenges, uh, to actually be able to rise above and deliver and create something great. And it comes to, you know, it's interesting as you say that, because it, it does bring me back to last week and this concept that it really is about, in many ways, you know, what you have control over. And I think about it as personal responsibility. You know, what am I responsible for? What what can I do to influence where I want to go as opposed to being a victim? And, the, you know, there's a whole scale of people or, or ranges of what we call being a victim. Uh, but even those of us who are high performing, we've got to catch ourselves to not fall into the trap of saying the reason it didn't work out is because so-and-so didn't do it. You know, when I'm doing a project, if something doesn't work out uh, for the client, I do have to ask myself, even though I can point to something outside of my group, I still have to say to myself, you know, how was I responsible for this? Not as a way to blame myself, but to not become like we were victimized somehow because I think that is that is such a killer in terms of being able to navigate through a problem where people start covering their you know what's uh, because something bad is happening. Uh, it's it's uh, it's an interesting trans uh, or sort of a, a, a uh, interesting parallel because uh, you know we have these organizations that are so fo focused on quality and quality delivery and attention to quality and detail and every process is is analyzed to the nth uh, and yet when we look at our own performance we often don't consider ourselves at that sort of uh, the level of process improvement and quality delivery uh, I think that's a fascinating uh, a parallel if the pieces uh, are not operating at that level of, of uh, efficiency and that level of, of introspection on their own work. What did I do today that, that I could have done better or I will do better tomorrow? Uh, how then is the whole, is the, the project you're working on or the streamlined organization going to be any better than the sum of its parts? That's right. That's right. And, and a great team has that attitude that everybody 
sort of takes responsibility, not just for their own piece, but they also take responsibility for the whole. This is a great topic, Howard. I have a feeling we're going to be talking more about this, and I, I think you have brought up a couple of key points uh, related specifically to team maturity and communication that, that uh, I can guarantee you we will be taking on in future episodes. Uh, Excellent. So yeah, thank you again, sir, for your time. It is always a pleasure talking with you. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, on behalf of, of Howard Teibel, my name is Pete Wright. Thank you so much for downloading. We will catch you again next week on Navigating Change from Teibel, Inc. <laughs>